The Jets are bringing in a veteran defensive tackle for a free agent visit this week. This player's a bit of an odd fit in Robert Sala's scheme, but I think the Jets can adjust to fit him in. We'll talk about who it is and why he may be a good fit for the Jets today on the Locked On Jets podcast. You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, this is the Lockdown Jets podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Tuesday, April 4th, 2023, and I'm your host, John B. from GangGreenNation.com. Subscribe to this podcast on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts for free so you'll get the latest episode as soon as it's posted. If you enjoy the show and are listening on a podcast source, please give it a five-star review. And if you're watching on YouTube, please give this episode a big thumbs up. These things help the channel out and help other Jets fans find Locked On Jets. It's been a slow offseason for the Jets, but things might be beginning to pick up a little bit. The Jets are bringing in a defensive tackle who's a free agent for a visit this week. And defensive tackle has become a bit of a need for the Jets because they've lost Sheldon Rankins and Nathan Shepard. And of those two, Rankins is the more important player. Shepard, I think, was a very replaceable rotational player. But Sheldon Rankins, in 2022, I thought had a very good season. It was a good sidekick to Quinn and Williams. The Jets, of course, have tried to address the defensive tackle position at earlier points of the offseason. They apparently were very much in on Fletcher Cox, the Eagles' star defensive tackle. In fact, the word is that the Jets actually offered Cox more money than the Eagles did, but Cox you know, spent his entire career in Philadelphia. He's become an icon with the Eagles franchise. And by the way, they're coming off a Super Bowl appearance. So Cox gave the Eagles a bit of a hometown discount. Then, of course, the Jets were in on Calais Campbell last week, the veteran who's you know, had an outstanding career. He's played with uh, three teams. He's played with Arizona. He's played with Baltimore. He played with Jacksonville in between the two. Campbell signed with the Falcons, though, before he visited the Jets. So Jets still have a pretty gaping hole at the defensive tackle position next to Quinn and Williams. It's weird to say that that's a need because the best player on the team, the guy who happens to be one of the best players in the entire NFL, plays for the Jets at defensive tackle. But it is a need because the guy next to him, who's going to play next to him? We don't know. Well, the Jets are bringing in Al Woods for a visit, a veteran defensive tackle who's played with a number of teams in his career. Most re- most recently, he's been a member of the Seattle Seahawks the last two years, Play- played a year with Jacksonville before that, another year with Seattle before that, the Colts, the Titans, uh, Pittsburgh, actually had a third stint with Seattle way back when. He began his career with the Bucks. He spent some time with the Saints and Steelers as, as a rookie. Uh, he's been all over the league. He's a you know, longtime player in the NFL now uh, 36 years old, uh, just turned 36 uh, not that long ago, back in late March. You know, and I keep going back to this. I mean, I, the Jets are going to get old. Jets are an old team right now. They're going to get older because they essentially have sat out what I refer to as the first two phases of free agency. Now, the first phase is, and this is when I think it was the dumb money is spent. It's when teams overpay guys, they just get super quote-unquote aggressive and they give out deals that they frequently regret. The second phase is when a lot of the bargains can be found. It's after, you know, the dumb money is spent. You know, teams kind of settle down a little bit. They try and find good value players, players who could be on the rise, players who maybe were in the wrong spots, you know, maybe in the wrong system, and you can get good value players. DJ Reed, I think, is like my ultimate example of that. Just outstanding signing a year ago. Then you move to the third phase, and this is kind of the guys who are going to have to settle for one-year contracts because, 
there's something wrong with them. Now, some of these guys just overplayed their hands. Some of these guys thought they were going to get the dumb money on uh, day one of free agency, and it never came. So they just, they just waited and waited and waited too long, and now every team's out of cap space. Some guys are coming off injuries, or you have guys who are in their 30s, or you know, some sometimes it's some combination of these three. Uh, Al Woods at 36. You know, I, I said it last week with Calais Campbell. You know, I'm not crazy about bringing in defensive linemen, especially interior defensive linemen in their mid to late 30s. But, you know, it's, it seems like the direction the Jets are going to go because they have to get somebody to play next to Quinn and Williams. I, I don't think you can go to the draft and just assume you're going to draft somebody 13th overall because you got other spots you need to fill. And you can't go into the draft. You know, the guy you may want at 13 to play defensive tackle, there's no guarantee he's going to be available when, when you're picking. So the Jets have to bring somebody in to be a, a stopgap. Woods has had a long career. He's been a productive player, uh, again, a number of different st- stops in his career. But it would be an interesting move from one standpoint He's not really the type of defensive tackle Robert Sala typically likes in his system. Sala likes a very aggressive defensive line, guys who can shoot gaps. And Woods is more, he profiles as more of kind of a run stopper, a guy who's like an interior guy who kind of, you know, plugs up the line, guy who draws blocks, but not not as much of a playmaker. More, you know, he's more in the mold of a, what you'd think of as a traditional nose tackle. And Sala, again, likes, he likes his tackles to attack. Quinn and Williams is a good example of that. But the way the Jets operate, and this is the way a lot of defenses operate now, you know, in the past, and there are still some systems that do this, you have one guy who's essentially responsible for eating up blocks, a guy who lines up near the center, and his job is to draw a double team, because you have to think this through. On most plays, there are five offensive linemen, depending on your system, but in the Jets system, there's usually four defensive linemen, so it's four on five. That means somebody's got to tie up two blocks. So in some systems, they have one guy who's designated to do that, essentially, and his job on every play is to just eat up two blocks. Then you have systems like the Jets run with Salah, and essentially you're just depending on somebody to dominate. You're essentially depending on somebody to go make a play. You know, so somebody's somebody's going to be so good that he's going to draw up two blocks. The Jets, you know, can mix this up a little bit, though. I mean, Salah has shown, and this goes back to his time with San Francisco also, he's shown an ability and a willingness to adapt his defense to the players he's got. I mean, you've seen it at various points. You saw it his first year with the Jets. Salah, in an ideal world, I think, would like to rush four guys, play great coverage on the back end. But if he doesn't have the pass rushers he needs, he's willing to blitz a little bit more. He's willing to adapt to his talent. And I think that, you know, Woods, we're talking about a guy who's going to be a rotational guy. And I think the Jets would be fine with that. And I think the Jets, it's easy enough to adapt your system to something like this, because it, essentially what you're doing is you're, you're putting, you'd be putting Woods in the position where he'd be the guy that draw up a couple of blocks, and maybe it would even help out the run defense, because one of the disadvantages to the way the Jets play defense is, you know, you can be a little exposed to the run game, but you don't have a big guy up there taking up space. And what it could do is it could make Quinn and Williams essentially the designated guy who gets up the field and make, makes plays. Now, I don't want to say it's going to make Quinn and Williams more productive, because you know, any circumstance you put Quinn and Williams in, it's going to be difficult for him to be more productive than he was a year ago. I think what you're looking for for Quinnen is more that he maintains his level of play, that he continues to be a top-notch player uh, on the interior. And, you know, I think that Woods, you know, he could probably play effectively. I will say this, I, I have less concerns about somebody like Woods than I would another, a different style of player, maybe more Salah-type defensive lineman in his mid-to-late 30s. And the reason I say that is, you know, Woods is not a big-time pass rusher. He's not a guy you're going to count on to get a ton of sacks. He's, a, he's what used to be referred to as like a two-down lineman, where he plays first and second down when the when the threat of the run's on the table, and then he comes off the field on third down when you want to get your pass rushers on the field. It's a little different in the NFL now. I, I think the, the phrase two-down lineman's not exactly 
accurate because it's such a passing league that you know you want guys who can get after the quarterback. But still, that, he's of that mindset where he's going to be a situational player. And Robert Sala likes to rotate guys in and out anyway. But if you're looking at a, for a guy who's just a pure run stopper, I feel like, and maybe I'm wrong on this, I haven't seen any data on this, but it, it, to me it's just common sense. If you're big and strong, you know, you could probably play longer. That, those skills, you know, tying up blockers are easier than, than shedding blockers, than, you know, making good moves, you know, using explosiveness to beat your guy up the field. I feel like a guy like Woods is probably going to age better than a typical, what I guess I'll call a Salah-type defensive lineman because he's not he's not going to be in there to make plays if the Jets sign him. He's just going to be there to take up space. And, you know, it's not an ideal situation. In an ideal world, I think especially getting Aaron Rodgers, you want to load up this defensive line. And, you know, Fletcher Cox, I think, was one of the ideal candidate for the Jets. You know, you, I guess you could argue Campbell. You know, I could go either way on a lot of these guys who are in their mid to late 30s. But, you know, the one good thing for the Jets is that there's always a defensive tackle available. There's always somebody out there who can take up space on the line, and that might be the direction the Jets have to go in. Now, head here on the Lockdown Jets podcast, we'll turn our attention to the wide receiver position. A guy has been talked about a lot is Odell Beckham Jr. Well, there's another team that's interested in him. Should the Jets be worried? Who's this other team? What does he want? We'll discuss all this as we continue on this Tuesday episode of the Lockdown Jets podcast. This episode of Lockdown Jets is brought to you by Built Bar. Congratulations to the Yukon Huskies and LSU Tigers, the winners of the men's and women's NCAA tournaments, respectively. UConn, I guess, kind of sort of a local school. Well, the basketball tournaments are over, but the built March Madness bracket's still going on. And we know you've got a favorite bar or puff. Now's your time to make it count. Go to BuiltMarchMadness.com to vote for your favorites. When you vote for your favorite bar or puff, you'll be entered into a drawing where 50 lucky Lockdown listeners get a free box of Built. Not only that, but one lucky Lockdown fan will receive a 12-month subscription to Built to have Built's best bars or puff delivered monthly straight to their door. You've got to try Built, the best protein bar ever. They're so amazing that you'll think they're good for you. What makes them so good? Well, they're all high in protein, they're low in sugar, they're covered in 100% real chocolate, all of them. Yeah, real chocolate. Run to BuiltMarchMadness.com right now to vote for your favorite bar or puff. Pick up a box while you're there. Hop in and support your pick. Thank you for making Lockdown Jets your first listen or first watch every day. Odell Beckham Jr. is a name that's been discussed around the Jets for weeks. They went to a workout he did a number of weeks ago, and he reportedly is a guy Aaron Rodgers would really like to have on this team. Well, the Jets may have some competition for him because the Baltimore Ravens, according to reports, have apparently made Beckham an offer. Now, it's difficult to say exactly exactly what Beckham's mindset is right now. You know, is he chasing money? Is he chasing championships? Is it some combination? Is it something else he's looking for? The one thing that I do know is Baltimore has always had a difficult time, at least as long as Lamar Jackson has been there, of attracting big-time receivers. And Lamar Jackson has been a guy who's been better throwing the ball to tight ends during his career than wide receivers. But beyond that, I mean, I think one disadvantage Baltimore has is their running game is so complex that it does depend on wide receivers to block. In in Baltimore, you got to if you want to play the receiver position, you got to be able to block. And receiver a lot of receivers don't like blocking. I mean, there are some exceptions. Alan Lazard is an example of that. Alan Lazard is a good blocker. In fact, I think the Jets are going to play Alan Lazard in the slot in part because of his ability to block. You know, he's a guy. People talk. People say he was a big part of the Green Bay run offense. I think you can go overboard with that. I don't think there's ever a receiver who's an integral part of a of a rush, rushing attack, but it can help. It certainly can help. I don't know if Beckham's ever been a guy who's loved to block, so it'll be an interesting thing. I mean, maybe Baltimore offers him the most money, but Beckham has indicated that his target price is around $15 million a year. 
So should the Jets pay him that? It, you know, it's a tough call because I think there's a very good chance Beckham ends up being worth far less than $15 million a year. You know, he's a guy who, you know, for everything he could bring to the table, there's a lot of risk there. And it really comes from the standpoint that he has not played football in over a year. In fact, I mean, we're going to be talking February 22 would be the last time he's played a game. We're I'm, And we're, we're approaching the Jets first Jets game of this year is going to be September of 23. So that's over one and a half years without playing competitive football. It's a long time, but for where the Jets are, Jets, you know, trying to make it happen this year, they got to upgrade this receiving core. I mean, I think I still think they're one receiver away. And I think right now they, they'd be a Garrett Wilson injury away from having some fairly substantial problems. So, you know, I don't really know who the... Normally, I would not be in favor of something like this, especially at a $15 million price tag. You know, $15 million for a guy who hasn't played any competitive football, or at least when the season begins, will not have played competitive football in a year and a half. It's not a super attractive price, but it might be one the Jets are interested in. And of course, you can get into how do you structure the contract, because the way the Jets have been structuring a number of these deals is they've been lowering the 2023 cap hit as much as possible. Now, that comes back, you know, that that will come back into play in future years, because in exchange for lowering the cap hit this year, the Jets will guarantee money in future years, and that's money that will not be able to be wiped away. But, you know, depending on how you structure the deal, you could add what are known as void years, which are essentially, essentially you're just really pushing. It's, you're not signing a player to a five-year contract, but you're pushing the cap hits over five years, and some of that money will accelerate if the player goes. So there are different ways the Jets can do it. I mean, they don't, they don't necessarily need to give Beckham a cap hit of $15 million this year to give him a $15 million contract. You can push a lot of that $15 million to the future. But it's, a, it's clearly a, a high-risk, high-reward move. I would love to see a different option. I'd love to see a better option emerge, but I haven't seen who that option is going to be yet because, again, there doesn't seem like the Jets have a ton of interest in DeAndre Hopkins, which to me would be kind of the obvious fallback plan. I think that, you know, style, I said this yesterday a bit, stylistically, I don't know that there's a lot that the Jets necessarily need. I just think they need a guy who's a certain caliber because you got the guy who's I don't know if he's a technician. He's an unconventional route runner, Garrett Wilson. He finds ways to get open. You've got the speedster in Mecole Hardman. You've got the big guy, you know, got your red zone threat in Alan Lazard. So you got a little bit of everything. It's just you don't really have the guy who can handle the volume outside of Garrett Wilson. And you want to, first of all, you want to give Garrett Wilson a sidekick. You want somebody who can make the other team pay if they pay too much attention to Garrett Wilson. You always want that number two guy. Ideally, you'd want two number one receivers, but sometimes you know, that's not always possible. So in an ideal world, you'd want a very solid number two guy. But beyond that, again, if you, you don't want to risk being a Garrett Wilson injury away from you know, Lazard, Hardman, whoever, maybe Randall Cobb, Denzel Mims type situation. That's not something that, that would be conducive to the Jets winning games this year. And again, this 2023 season, the, the entire timeline's been moved up for the Jets, assuming they get Aaron Rodgers. They got to make it happen now. So... I, I I keep going back and forth on this. You can tell my ambivalence about this, but you know I, I think that this is a guy the Jets probably are going to have to sign. I don't love it. This is probably the only circumstances under which I'd be advocating for something like this, but I think it's where the Jets are right now. Baltimore now in the mix again. We don't know where Beckham's what Beckham's mindset is, but I would say that you know Baltimore is a solid franchise, but they have some obstacles in bringing in wide receivers because, and a lot of it, I think, I think, I think it's very easy to undersell how important it is the Baltimore system to block and 
receivers don't like blocking. A lot of them don't. So we'll see what happens. But the Jets do, if nothing else, the Jets do have some competition for Odell Beckham Jr. And they're, they're, there could be more competition emerge. There have been rumors about Kansas City. We'll see what happens. Of course, there are also rumors about Aaron Rodgers. And there's one very interesting one that maybe the Jets are not the only team interested in him. I'm not super panicked over it. I'll explain why. I still think it's the most like the most likely scenario is Rodgers comes to the Jets. But there's all this buzz about it, so we'll talk about it as we continue this Tuesday episode of the Locked On Jets podcast. This is the Locked On Jets podcast here on this Tuesday. All right, let's talk about Aaron Rodgers. The news of the day came out of, it actually came out of New York. Craig Carton, who is a longtime WFAN host and apparently has some sort of show on the Fox Sports cable channel, FS1, um, is now saying that the Jets are apparently not the only team that's contacted the the Packers about Aaron Rodgers. Apparently the San Francisco 49ers are also involved, if you are to believe, Carton. Now, how Craig Carton's the guy who gets the scoop, I don't know. Now, of course, you know, that's not necessarily a guarantee that there's no obvious... Uh, there's no obvious reason he'd be the source of who would have ever predicted Trey Wingo would be the guy who gave us all the information about Aaron Rodgers. But the rumor is that, you know, we're talking multiple third round picks and then the first round pick next year. And I don't know. Listen, there's never 100% certainty with anything. Anything can happen. I'm not saying that the Jets to the Rodgers is 100% done because it's not. It's not. They're still, they still have to work out the trade compensation package. But at this point in time, all the uh, the most overwhelming evidence says that Rodgers is coming to the Jets. And it's not because he went on the McAfee show and said that he's coming to the Jets. Yeah, I just encourage you to think this through. The Packers don't want to trade Rodgers in the NFC. That much, I think, is clear. Rodgers, you know, who knows what Aaron Rodgers is thinking, but let's think this through. The Jets have rolled out the red carpet for him. Before he was even guaranteed to come to the Jets, or before you know coming to the Jets was even a thought, they hired his personally favored offensive coordinator. They've signed one of his favorite receivers, Alan Lazard. They're at work trying to sign another receiver he really wants, Odell Beckham Jr. And it goes deeper than this. And this is, it, it seems clear to me that this is ownership directed, that Woody Johnson has just decided he wants Aaron Rodgers. In fact, last week, Joe Douglas had a chance to kind of at least throw up, throw a little curveball to the Packers and say that the Jets were interested in, in Lamar Jackson and maybe that could, you know, this, this game of who has the leverage like a game show everybody's got speculation on who's got the leverage but if joe douglas at least pretends that the jets are interested in lamar jackson maybe that gets the packers to panic a little bit and meet the jets on their terms douglas did not do that douglas commented we want to work in good faith now this is an educated guess but i'm guessing woody johnson's probably told him we're getting aaron Rodgers. there there is no other option so let's not even bluff anything along those lines so if you're aaron Rodgers, and you know you we can debate the merits of how the Packers have treated him, but Rodgers clearly does not like how the Packers have treated him. Is he right or is he wrong? Well, that, that's a different story. We're not going to go there. If you don't like how the Packers have treated you and you have this team that's just rolled out the red carpet for you, everything that you want, they're giving it to you. Isn't that the team you want to go to? Now, I understand San Francisco is a team that you know they could have gone to the Super Bowl last year if they had not you know been decimated by injuries at the quarterback position, including in the NFC Championship game. And, you know, San Francisco, I guess if you're talking about a, a spot where a one-year rental for Rodgers is logical, maybe San Francisco could be it because the incumbent quarterback, who I would call, who I would say is Brock Purdy, you know, he's not, he may not be ready for the season. Trey Lance, who knows what you have in him, maybe he could sit another year. He's also coming off a serious injury. You know, maybe Rodgers could say we could win another Super Bowl. I, I don't know. But uh, what I will say is we're really far down the line right now. And I think all signs continue to point to the Jets' uh, 
eventually getting Rodgers. Beyond that, you know, if you're the Packers, wouldn't I? I don't know that there's any ties between between Carton and uh, Green Bay, but if you're the Packers. Isn't this the, isn't this the kind of story the Packers would leak if they're trying to get the Jets to panic? I'm again, nothing's a hundred percent certain ever, and I will never guarantee anything. But until I get more, until I hear more, this is not the type of thing where I think anybody needs to panic. It's not the type of thing where it seems remotely likely that he goes anywhere other than the Jets. Again, that could change. It could change tomorrow. But based on what we have right now, and that's all we can go. All we can go on is the evidence we have right now. Some, like, small report, some rumor. I I need to see more. Anyway, that's all for today's episode. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day is our motto. As always, if you enjoyed the show, hit the subscribe button where you're watching or listening so that you'll never miss an episode. If you're listening on YouTube, uh, if you're listening on podcast source, please give the show a five-star review. And if you're watching on YouTube, please a big thumbs up. These things help the podcast out and help other Jets fans find Locked On Jets. Have a great Tuesday, everybody. Please send in your mailbag questions. Tomorrow we have our weekly mailbag schedule.